Hello and welcome to the Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Today, we're delving into a recent publication from the CIO of UBS Global Wealth Management entitled Distributed Ledgers and Digital Assets. We'll be chatting to one of the editors-in-chief of this excellent little primer to hear why the time is right to demystify crypto. Why it's the moment to guide investors through the nature of the opportunities inherent in DL technology, while also shining a light on some of the risks inherent in what is still a nascent industry. He'll help us to look, as we always undertake to do on this programme, beyond the hype and stress the relevance of looking beyond crypto at the underlying technology. There are a wealth of potential applications based on that tech, so he'll flag some of the industries that might see the greatest disruption and explain why it might be economically meaningful. So let's meet our guest today. Michael Bolliger is Chief Investment Officer, Global Emerging Markets in UBS Global Wealth Management. Michael, welcome back to the programme. Good to have you with us again. Let's just set the scene first of all. The narrative around crypto has changed so much in just the last couple of years. It's really a frontier digital industry now. Yet despite its sort of prominence in the zeitgeist, if you like, the sheer pace of change means that even market participants have to work to keep up with new developments. You and your colleagues put it, I thought, very amusingly in the primate when you quote the excellent John Oliver from last week tonight, who said that crypto combines everything you don't understand about money with everything you don't understand about computers. So I guess my first question would be, is exactly that kind of coverage, the sorts of headlines we've seen unhelpful, soaring and collapsing values of crypto coins and tokens dominate? But there are more and more companies out there looking past that and instead at how they might incorporate the underlying technology, the distributed ledger tech into what they do. That's the real story here, isn't it, Michael? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is something that happens much more slowly than the price fluctuations on the cryptocurrencies. Uh, we're talking about, you know, longer term projects where companies are trying to integrate new technologies that all else equal very likely in our view will make their business more efficient, you know, allowing them also to grow more rapidly into their processes, which typically takes years. So for us, Investing in these companies today is in a way like positioning for, you know, a longer term opportunity that we believe will become much more material five to 10 years down the line. Well, Michael, let's dip into this report then. And I think what's really interesting about it is that it very explicitly sets out to demystify the industry somewhat uh, and to break it down into these exciting constituent parts, whether that's, you know, looking at digital assets across the board or talking about distributed ledger technology specifically. And on that latter point on, on DLT applications, can you just summarize for us exactly why there's such potential here for these applications to lower costs, increase speed and aid transparency? Tell us why this is so exciting. So look, I mean, if we really take a big step back and look at the big picture, DLT-based application, the, the use of distributed ledgers can be used anywhere where you have transactions between counterparties. And if we just, you know, think for this for a few seconds, this involves almost everything we do, uh, starting with the financial service industry, where we can use those systems to make the existing processes much more quickly. We can make them more efficient, more transparent, more secure, maybe even. And that's going to have very significant implication. 
but it doesn't stop with the financial industry. We can think about, you know, manufacturers using blockchain to manage their supply chains. We can, you know, think about retail businesses using, again, blockchain or distributed ledger technologies to manage supply chain. You can even think about the arts and luxury good industry that can use these technologies to protect their products from counterfeiting, etc. So there's many, many different applications where we can use these technologies to disrupt the current way businesses are done. Well, and on that D word, disruption, Michael, it is though presumably fair to say, despite that breadth of potential applications, that even given that, financial services is without question the industry amongst those you've mentioned that is most prone to that disruptive force, right? And and that, whilst that's worrying and is threatening, I guess, for some of the incumbents, that it also provides opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And there's opportunities and uh, clearly these will attract new companies entering the market, which is already what we see today. But also, I wouldn't underestimate the incumbent players, you know, to incorporate the technology into their businesses, while at the same time, leveraging their vast client network to roll out these uh, new solutions, and also, obviously, using their spending power and their longstanding experience and know-how in this industry to compete with some of the new entrants. So in that sense, the jury is still very much out there on who is going to eventually succeed with instead of incorporating these new technologies. And I know it's often tempting to try and put, you know, one big number on these things, and presumably it's rather hard to quantify. But I know in the report, you and your colleagues have made a a pretty informed guess at the potential boost to global GDP over, what, the decade ahead from all of these potential applications. And it's a pretty big number, it's fair to say, Michael. Yeah, we, we came up also using the work of others. We came up with a number that is one trillion US dollars in sort of 10 years from now, which, as you rightly said in your question, is is an estimate that is exposed to a significant extent of volatility. But still, for us, that's a reasonable estimate at this point in time. And it's just, again, one way to illustrate that we're talking about something here that can potentially be very, very significant. And Michael, when we talk about, you know, values, I guess one of the things we come back to, even though I issued that caveat at the top about specific cryptos, People might say, well, look, you know, does all of this potential mean that crypto, the, you know, the currencies themselves, does it make them more, more attractive? They're tough to value. There's questions about their role, potentially even as, as currency. But there are a huge range, aren't there, of, 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 of other risks, whether they're legal or regulatory or technologically in character. It doesn't necessarily follow just because the potential for growth here is so big that the coins themselves become more attractive. That's precisely right. So, you know, one of the challenges is that, you know, if you invest in in a specific coin, and, and, and the word specific here is really, really important because as an investor, as with a stock or a bond or a currency, also for coins and tokens, you need to precisely understand what is the value proposition of this individual coin, of this individual ecosystem, what is primary use case, what are the entry barriers? What sort of technology does it use, etc.? And only after you've answered all these questions and you came to the conclusion, well, this is an interesting investment, then you should invest. But on top of this, there is many other issues. And you mentioned some of them, the, the legal, the regulatory risk, also the reputation risk. But what I also think people tend not to pay that much attention to 
is the fact that sometimes for a given ecosystem, you know, for a given blockchain solution to be successful, that could even mean that the coin, the value of the coin needs to fall over time because, you know, if you use this coin to pay for services run on a, on a given blockchain, maybe you want to have a situation where over time the price of that coin is going to fall because it's one of your ingredients for your cost of production. And so as you can have a bit of a price inflation on the coin, i.e. a cheaper coin, maybe the system overall becomes more competitive, helping again the companies who offer the services on that system to succeed, whereas you know they accept a bit of price deflation on the coin. Well, yeah, and if we if we carry on looking at coins and the role they could play within a, a portfolio, again, is it safe to say, Michael, that actually coins are ineffective or, or certainly less effective at providing diversification within a well-balanced portfolio than, I don't know, some, some traditional hedges that investors might consider? From the data we look at and the way we look at that data and, you know, bring in all the experience we have on building portfolios, the answer here is yes. And, and there's a couple of reasons here. So first, the cryptocurrency universe sort of started to become a bit more correlated to risk assets, as, as we've seen a bit of a wider adoption also among the investment community. So on the one hand, that's good. On the, on the other hand, in terms of diversification properties, that's, that's less good. But overall, it's fair to say that by and large, cryptocurrencies are still relatively uncorrelated to other risk assets. But for us, that on a standalone basis is not sufficient to make this a good hedge. So we're, we're looking at the behavior of assets during periods of stress. So for example, when we had the outbreak of the pandemic in last spring. And there what you could see is that, for example, Bitcoin sold off very, very sharply as people were liquidating risk assets and moving into safe haven assets. And so here, you know, this is a, for us a clear evidence that when it comes to the contribution of some of those cryptocurrencies that are promoted as being good hedges, good alternatives, they actually don't really behave the way they should during periods of stress. So for us, the conclusion here is that as of now, these cryptocurrencies are not part of our strategic asset allocation. If anything, you know, for investors really willing and able to tolerate really high volatility, they can use this as a speculative investment. But strategically, our assessment points toward the answer being no. Well, yeah, and I guess therefore then for mainstream investors or those who you know are intrigued by the theme but follow that very sage advice, is there still an opportunity and something interesting to look at if it comes to the technologies behind these things? And this is where we come back to where we started, which is looking at you know the the distributed ledger technology itself and the the, the more fundamental things about the disruptive power of some of these new digital assets. If we look at those companies that provide I don't know services for these ecosystems, for example, that presumably provides a, a much more reasonable opportunity. That's precisely what we think, and that's where we're also advising our clients with individual ideas on the companies within the various different industries that have a potential to benefit from this down the line to you know, selectively gain exposure. You know, This is a, a delicate selection process that you need to do because you need to understand how the company is exposed today and how they might be exposed in five or 10 years down the line. You need to look at the existing business model, at the existing attractiveness of the companies. But yes, they are very good opportunities. Remember, 10 years ago, 
Amazon made a tiny, tiny bit of revenues from cloud computing services. Today, that share has increased to 55%. Similar things can happen for the use of distributed ledger technologies in five or 10 years down the line. And identifying these companies today can be a great investment if you think about a five to 10 year investment horizon. Well, just finally, and actually in a strange way, that speaks to what I was going to ask you finally, Michael, which was about longer term themes and longer term considerations for building sustainable portfolios. And it's exactly that, the S word, sustainability. Lots of people have pointed out that whilst this is digital technology, it does come with a potentially very significant ecological and environmental cost. How should that, I mean, presumably that must be a factor that that informs your thinking on, on this matter, right? Yeah, I mean, this is a question that, again, needs to be answered for individual cryptocurrencies themselves. And it very much depends on what sort of consensus mechanism the individual ecosystems are using. Some of them, and Bitcoin is an example here that is obviously well known to many people as of now, is much less ecological than other systems. I think the good news is that The industry seems to be aware of this and at the margin seems to be moving toward consensus mechanisms that are less energy intense and or they're building solutions on top of the underlying solutions that might allow them to leverage the system in a a much less energy intense uh, manner. So we're moving in the right direction. But again, the other message is here that the broader use of the technology can be something that can be very beneficial to the overall society. It's something that if you think about fintech applications and how they could change the life of many people in emerging and frontier markets, suddenly being able to have access to financial solutions that they couldn't access before. So again, here the technology can actually be something quite positive for society overall. Michael Bolliger. As Michael has explained, crypto has risen from obscurity as now a frontier digital industry. But with even market participants having to work hard to keep up with new developments, we thought we'd provide you with a little assistance, dear listener, in the form of an audio glossary of some of the terms you might have heard but thus far failed to understand. To once again quote last week tonight's John Oliver, crypto combines everything you don't understand about money with everything you don't understand about computers. So let's help you out. Here's our glossary of some crypto terms and some crypto slang to help you on your way. Hello, glossary. Uh, Let's start with some easy ones. What is mining exactly? That's the process by which transactions are verified and added to the public ledger known as the blockchain, which is often the means through which new units of a crypto, like Bitcoin, are created. Right. And who's Satoshi Nakamoto? That's the pseudonym of the creator or creators of the Bitcoin protocol and white paper. And what's a smart contract when it's at home? Smart contracts are computer programs stored on the blockchain that are executed automatically once a set of predetermined conditions are met. OK, now what about the technology itself? What's a 51% attack? When one or a group of miners control more than 50% of the network's mining hash rate or a computational power, thereby compromising the integrity of the system. 
And a hash? That's a function that takes an input and then outputs an alphanumeric string known as the hash value. Hashes confirm transactions on the blockchain. So then the hash rate would be... The speed at which a computer or mining hardware is able to calculate new hashes, measured in hashes per second. Hmm, I guess that makes sense. Glossary, tell me about immutability. Now, this is important. This is the inability to change or be changed. One of the core features behind Bitcoin and blockchain technology. I've got another I word for you. Interoperability? The concept of allowing blockchains to be compatible with each other and build upon each other's features and use cases. And what do those in the know mean when they say trustless? Blockchain is called a trustless system where consensus is achieved between participants who do not have to trust each other. Next up, talk to me about the consensus protocol. That's a process by which computers in a network, called nodes, reach an agreement about a set of data. OK, I'm following you so far. What's the difference, though, between permissioned blockchain and permissionless? Permissioned is a blockchain in which the network owners decides who can join the network and issue credentials necessary to access the network, opposite to a permissionless network, where users and developers do not need any permission to transact and use the blockchain. That's plenty of good jargon busting. But what about translating some crypto slang for us? Very glad you asked. Where should we start? OK, what's a hodl? Didn't he used to play for Tottenham? No, 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 not that one. Hodl's a term originating in a misspelling of hold in a drunken post on a Bitcoin forum way back in 2013 that turned into a meme. It is used to indicate when a person holds on to their crypto rather than selling it. Ah, oh, I see. And how does that relate to diamond hands? Well, that refers to strongholders that hodl the crypto for the end goal, despite all the risks that lie ahead. Oh, risks, you say? Yes, this is where you might hear the term FUD, F-U-D. That is anything intended to instill fear, uncertainty or doubt. OK, got it. I think this is all much clearer. One last thing, though. When people talk about going to the moon, are they talking about SpaceX or Jeff Bezos? Nope, wrong again. Mooning is simply when a crypto price is rising rapidly. It's going to the moon. Ah, oh, great. That's really clear. Thanks for your help, Glossary. You're welcome. That's our quick glossary of some crypto terms and a bit of slang to help you make sense of this fast-moving space. And that brings us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance every week here on Monocle 24. You can listen again and find out more at monocle.com or catch up via your preferred podcast platform. The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24.